Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oh, we're in for a long one. A long weekend, that is. And you deserve to spend it on the couch with a glass of something good. Luckily, there's Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery. With Drizzly, you can compare prices on the biggest selection of beer, wine, and spirits. Then get them delivered quickly. So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. And now another no-brainer money-saving tip from Progressive. That doesn't sound good. Paper shredder's jammed, but I think I fixed it. Oh, well, try shredding these $50 bills then. Seems like it's working. Mm, better try another 400 bucks. Stop. Instead of using money, use regular paper. And here's a better tip from Progressive on how not to waste money. Don't pay too much for car insurance. Drivers who switch and save could save hundreds. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Potential savings will vary. theme song and i can't remember what it is that's funny because it's like robin's it newest song honey is it the, but i it, just that bad of a singer is it the growing pains i don't know what the growing pains song theme is we song. got each other <laughs> blah 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 I was singing, blah blah uh, i don't know you're not gonna get what you need as long as we got <laughs> yes, yeah, growing pains. Oh my God, mashup, mashup. Girl talk, where are you? Girl talk, where are you at? I miss you. Seriously, though, where is girl talk? No, I would like to know where girl talk is too, because hashtag find girl talk. Yeah, because like I can't really listen to the albums anymore because they're kind of dated. So no, I still all day. I can still listen all day. Yeah, but, uh, feed the animals isn't quite, but it never was quite as good. Like all day was like pin ultimate. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. You're not getting past that. I listened to that a lot at work. Oh my god! When I first so discovered, Girl it's Talk. a great running, it's yes. a great running album. When you're running and you just can't stop, won't stop, can't stop, won't stop, all day, every day. Nope. Yep. That's it. Hi, hey, welcome to Rock Candy <laughs> Podcast. Hi, your weekly podcast bringing you sweet treats from the world of music with your two crazy bitch ass hosts. <laughs> What? No, that's how I. You talk. know what? It's good. It's good, good enough. enough. Good enough. Good, good enough. Good enough to look at. It's fine. I'm Maggie. I'm Ashley. And I don't know. I'm I'm feeling I'm feeling sassy tonight. I feel like a weird energy because I went running. Yeah, you did better than I did. I, I haven't mean, exercised in a while because I haven't had fucking time. I so. tasted blood. <laughs> I think I'm it's because dying. running fucking sucks, and that's why I don't do it anymore. Granted, it was like the best thing I could have possibly done, but you know what? I'm not going to put myself through torture for an hour every day just to, I don't know, be miserable. But you know what you did do instead? Drank a lot of beer. Oh, I was going to say you researched tonight's topic. Yes, I did. 
You, a lot. You, you were balls deep, but I knew you would be. Like this was you've been. This is your moment. This is my moment. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what fucking sitcom is that from. It's not. It's from my own sitcom oh, called like My it. Life. Mm, well, that didn't work. <laughs> Starring <laughs> Ashley. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, it. that's how it goes. <laughs> or shut the fuck up and leave me alone. I think it's mostly shut the fuck up and leave me alone. <laughs> which I, I don't know. I, I feel like tonight's t- subject might have that sentiment sometimes too, though. Sometimes, but not often. No, no, like pretty jovial. He's, but he's a he's a real nice dude. Yeah. So we're talking about a real nice dude. He's real. He's a heckin' nice boy. He's a heckin' nice boy. This guy, and uh, we're talking about Devin Townsend. <laughs> yeah, you don't know who we're talking about. <laughs> I didn't. I had no idea. Like you have been going on about this man for months, and been, I'm like, I'm, sure. I've been fangirling real fucking hard. And I dragged you to his show. It was very good, though. And it was amazing. He was quite good. And he was only doing an acoustic set. Yeah. Because you know what it is. It's that voice. It's that fucking voice. Guys. The voice on this man. Like, you know when you're like, oh, man, like, I'd fuck him. Like, nah, I just want to fuck his nope. voice. Just sing into my vagina. Just That's all you have to do. Red Eagle, I want you just, like, put just, your face there and sing. Yeah. I don't want you to do anything else. Don't just, fucking touch me. Don't fucking touch me. <laughs> just sing into <laughs> my sing vagina. into my vagina. <laughs> this is why people don't like listening I know. to us. <laughs> That's why. This is why we don't. This is why we don't have friends, guys. This is why we don't have friends, because we tell, we would like men to sing into our vaginas. We apparently don't get how sex works. And I'm fine with that. I still, his voice is magnificent. Like, it is. I do like Devin Townsend, and I really like that show you had me go to. Uh huh. You know, like, he's not like something that I would go to all the time. Yeah, I mean. But I can appreciate his musical talent. Like tenfold. A lot of. Very, very talented. A lot of his music is an acquired taste. For sure. But I think that's why I like it, too, because it's so fucking He's weird, weird. Fast. He's weird. His music's weird. Every record he has put out is completely different. Right. And that's kind of why I like it. Yeah. And I would I would heavily suggest, yeah. after listening to this episode, to listen to his music. I'm sure you'll find something you like. Yeah. Even the more commercial I stuff is I think Empath is, more... is pretty... Oh, oh. Uh, unless you like progressive metal, his newest album, oh. they just released a few months ago is it's really good but it's still a stretch for a lot of people oh so that's why i like it yeah oh yeah. Okay. no it's it's amazing it's a fucking masterpiece but it's progressive metal. but it's progressive metal and that's not for everybody so if but if you are a, a metal inclined person absolutely go check it out because it's it's a masterpiece it is it's so quite good, good. yes mm, quite good and yes, that is nice. and that album is the reason why i chose the beer we're drinking tonight. Yes. Because, not because of Phil Collins and Peter Gabriel. We're not talking about Genesis. Guys, no. we're not talking about Genesis. I was like, they're gonna, everybody's gonna think we're talking about Genesis. We need to make sure they know we're not talking about Genesis. Mm-mm. Uh, no, this is the Bombo Genesis. You got it. Oh my God, I did it. Bombo Genesis double IPA from Chatham Brewing. I don't think that's how you pronounce from it, but okay. Chatham, New York. <laughs> Chatham. It's Chatham. It's Chatham Brewing. Chatham Booey. Chatham Booey. Chatham Booey. And, uh, it's, it's, it's an IPI. <laughs> it sure is, it guys. Sure is. <laughs> it's, it's good. It is brewed with Simcoe, Mosaic, and Citra you know, hops. That means nothing to me. It's, it's an IPA. But 
It's no. an agreeable IPA. It is, for sure. Like, but if you can if you can handle an IPA, this is a good IPA. It's a really good and IPA. And it's 8.5%, so... I'm already feeling you're getting, it. Yeah. you're getting your money's worth out of it. It's going to be a good night. Yeah. Thank you, Chatham Brewery. Thanks, Chatham Brewery. But I chose it because the colors of the can are the same colors as the album Empath. Mm. And also there is a song on Empath called Genesis. Genesis. So and it's not about it's the band. not about the band. It's not about guys. Phil Genesis. I'm sorry. Is a word. It, it is means things. You can use it in other contexts. It's fine. I had a computer game called Genesis. It was very difficult. Sega Genesis. No, no. Like, but also there's Sega Genesis. There is Sega Genesis. Also, Game Gear. Sega Game Gear. Do you remember? Yeah, but that? that's not the Genesis. It's not. But it. I still had one. I, and it was. I fun. wanted. I wanted a Game Gear over a Game Boy, but I didn't get either. But my brother did get a Game Boy. It's fine. Yeah. But because I'm a neurotic mess, sometimes I got two beers to you go did. along with this. And also because I love Devin Townsend so much, I got two beers. But I, I actually like this one. I was like, oh, but I want to drink this one. Oh, we're going to drink it. We oh, we're going to drink oh, it. we're going to drink it. We're here for a but while. The other one I got was Awake by Night Shift Brewing because he has a song called Awake mm. on my favorite Devin Townsend Project album called Addicted. Right. It gets confusing, guys. <laughs> it gets real confusing. I'm excited for it. But I'll do the best that I can. You're going to God smack it. I'm going to God smack it. She's God smacking it, guys. Uh, and I will apologize up front. Running brought nothing but phlegm and like horribleness up. And I'm trying really hard not to cough and clear my throat a lot. But I'm probably going to do it. And I'm sorry. You're going to sound like you've been smoking since I birth. I feel like I've been smoking since birth. Yeah. Which I don't know what that means about my lungs. Considering I don't smoke. You just haven't conditioned them to running yet. It's awful. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, so I was thinking the other day, we have yet to feature a Canadian artist. That's right. And it just so happened. Which was weird when you asked, like, have we talked about Canadian artists? And I actually went through every single episode. I'm like, yeah, we no. haven't. We how is this possible? I don't know. But you know what? Congratulations, Devin Townsend. You're the first Canadian that we have featured on this show. Round of applause. Woo! Woohoo! <sighs> Crowd goes Ow! wild for Devin Townsend. As they should. Yes, as you should. Let's fucking do this. All right. I'm here for it. Devin Townsend coming right up after these messages? <laughs> no. Okay, here we he is right now. Okay, right now. And right now. All right. So we start our story in New Brunswick, a suburb of Vancouver, Canada, where on May 5th, 1972, Devin Garrett Townsend roundhouse kicked his way out of a vagina and into this world. Did and he th- put that in his biography? No. It's it's my own imagery and I like it. Oh. <laughs> is he still bald, though? Is he just grown up Devin Townsend? <laughs> Come out of the womb fully formed. Yes. Oh, God. I believe that. That should have happened. And it didn't. Disappointed. <laughs> His parents, Lynn and David, by all means, seem like lovely people. Mm-hmm. Lynn was a preschool teacher and David was a commercial kitchen designer. Nice. For once, praise Jess. We will be talking about a musician that, as far as I know, wasn't abused in any way. Didn't deal with an alcoholic and or drug addicted parent, Mm. didn't have a religious zealots raising him, and truthfully had a pretty damn good childhood. You know why? Canadian. Yup. That's it. He has one younger sister named Erin who eventually changed her name to Meredith. 
which is a parallel hmm. to my life because I have a sister named Erin also. Oh. And reading, or actually, fuck, I didn't even mention my fucking main source. Okay. For all of these, all of my notes. Yes. Was his own autobiography called Only Half There. It's only half there. Only half there. Um, which was really a great read. If you are interested in his story at all, definitely take a look because dude is fucking hilarious. Oh, and he, yeah, he wrote himself. And he, autobiography. yeah, autobiography. That's yeah, that that's what that means. Oh my God. <laughs> Go ahead. But, I mean, there's a lot of anecdotes in there that I couldn't put in my notes that are just fucking hilarious. Right. He has such a fantastic sense of humor. So I highly recommend you pick it up and read it. It's only $10 on your Kindle thing. Oh, nice. So. You don't have to borrow that from you. Yeah, it's it's so good. Definitely check it out. Cool. But while I was reading it, there were all of these weird parallels between his life and mine. Yeah, you're saying that. There were some like really deep ones that freaked me the fuck out. But then there were just surface ones like we both have a sister named Erin. Yeah. And like I'll I'll get into them later, but Jesus Christ, it freaked me the fuck out. Your kindred spirits, goddammit. Apparently. Growing up, the Townsend kids spent most of their time living in East Vancouver and Surrey, both suburbs of Vancouver proper. They were a very close family and still are today. Right off the bat, Devin was surrounded by music. His parents weren't professional musicians, but David loved to play banjo and Lynn often played piano at home. Oh, that's so fucking wholesome. I know. Her style of piano playing, always with the sustained reverb pedal on, would have a lasting effect on Devin's musical sound later in life. Oh, because it was yep. It was very much if you have that pedal pressed down the whole time, it has kind of a wall of sound effect on it. It's yeah, yeah. like it's just constant reverb. So that was like ingrained in him at a very young age. Yeah. No. Wow. That really reads into his music. Absolutely. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> While his grandparents introduced him to artists like Johnny Cash and Glenn Miller, Devin dove headfirst into his parents' Moody Blues and Jimi Hendrix records. As you do. As you do. Not to mention his mom's musical soundtracks. I did pretty much the same thing, except it was Queen and the Monkees with my parents. Oh, I like that. Yeah. But music wasn't all he was interested in back then. He had two main interests as a kid. The first was motorcycles, as young boys do. Mm Mm-hmm. By the time he was in middle school, he had bought himself a shitty little bike that was decidedly uncool, but he would ride it around the local sand pits anyway. <laughs> he tried to modify his bike to make it a little bit cooler, but it backfired spectacularly oh after he went over a jump and the seat fell off and the <gasps> bar stuck the poor guy straight up the ass. <gasps> oh, no. And I, like, this was a major injury. <laughs> Oh, no. Okay, like, first of all, first of all, first of all, In Through the Outdoor is a critically panned album by Led Zeppelin. And while I normally don't agree with critics, I think they were right in that case. Yeah. So I feel especially bad for him right now. Ironic that you bring that up because Led Zeppelin was a huge influence on him, too. Right. Because the one... Yeah, I could see that Robert Plant... That one song, Friends, Mm -hmm. is in open sea tuning, which is basically what he creates all of his music in. Oh, yeah. I don't know what that means, but that's what I learned from his book. (laughs) 
And that's what you learn when you read the books, guys. The more you know. And when you listen to this podcast. (laughs) You're welcome. You're welcome. That's that good, good content. (laughs) There you go. That's it. Uh, Rock Candy gonna give it to you. With consent. (laughs) (laughs) The injury was enough to make him wheelchair bound for most (gasps) of sixth grade. Oh my god. That left plenty of time to pursue his other obsession, puppets. Well, if I can't ride a motorcycle, might as well do puppets. puppets. Oh my god, this is amazing. I'm already here for this. Back when he was 10 years old, his dad took him to see the Dark Crystal, and ever since then, he'd become fascinated with puppets. As you fucking do. Yeah, like Henson will fucking make you jizz puppets. I... Oh, no. You know what? I'm kind of into that. <laughs> just just jizz puppets. Wait, but, but you know mu- what? Are they Muppets Honestly, now? that's kind of what Jim Henson did anyway. He jizz puppets. He did. He really did. He did, though. In the best of ways. And you know what? You can just I'm here for it because I was obsessed with Jim Henson shit when I was a kid, too. Mm-hmm. Labyrinth is, always has been, and will forever be my fucking jam. See, I so. was a big Muppets fan as a kid. Oh, yeah. And the Muppets, too. The Muppet show was choice. Yeah. So I don't blame him for any of this. No. But it wasn't just like the puppets that had an effect on him. It was it was the entire atmosphere of the Dark oh, Crystal. The like, Dark Crystal's a very um atmospheric yes. film. And it was like the mood of it, it was the puppets, it was the soundtrack one hundred percent. See, I didn't see it until I was in college. Me too. And I was a little high. And it was a little terrifying. Not me too. After that, Devin started making his own puppets. And for some reason... Oh my god, are there pictures? Oh. And for some reason, after he recovered from his motorcycle accident, he he did something truly dorky. He set up a table in his front yard and played music while he made his puppets lip sync to the songs. That's adorable! (laughs) It's so cute! That's the fucking cutest thing I've ever heard. This is the cutest episode we've ever had. Like, we're like 20 minutes in and I'm like, this This is is so so fucking cute though. Oh, I'm sorry. No, the child isn't getting beaten? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. So he's having puppet shows. That sounds (laughs) amazing! It's like puppet American Idol on his front yard. Oh my god. And he has a quote in his book that I think is hilarious. He says, I was a strange kid doing odd puppet shows for thoroughly confused kids in the neighborhood. (laughs) (laughs) But while he was still stuck in his wheelchair, he had a lot of time to watch this new thing called MTV. Oh, yeah. He loved the hair metal bands like Motley Crue and Twisted Sister. With the help of a jerry-rigged stereo that picked up a metal show broadcast out of Seattle, that eventually led to an interest in even heavier stuff like Ozzy and Judas Priest and Wasp and Queensryche. Hell yeah. Is that how you say Queens that? Reich. Queensryche. 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 I can never fucking say Queens that Reich? band's name. Jesus. I usually just trail off at the end. People know what you're talking <laughs> Queensryche. about. Queensryche. Queensryche. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah. They know. Queensryche. They get it. Yeah, you know. I think that's what we all do, right? Wait, queen? No. Queens, que- Queensryche. Queensryche. That time in a wheelchair also offered the perfect opportunity to learn to play guitar. Yeah. Up until then, he'd start quote-unquote bands... With friends. Oh, yeah. In between D&D campaigns, Devin and his friends made up rock bands. Stop. (laughs) Oh, my God. This is the childhood I wish I had. 
Yeah. <laughs> I want to be Devin Townsend. So while he was doing D&D campaigns, Devin and his friends made up rock bands, dealing out roles to each person, even though none of them could play an instrument. Oh, and like Devin could kind of play guitar. Kind of. But also, I kind of did the same thing when I was a kid. Yeah, that's what you did. Yeah. And everybody argued, no, I want to play guitar. No, I want to be lead singer. No, I want to do this. None of us had any talent. None of us could play any fucking instruments. It didn't fucking matter. No. And even though they played pretend, Devin was the only one with an actual interest in learning to play. Right. His first guitar was a cheap acoustic number from Sears his parents got him for Christmas. He learned Johnny Cash songs on it, but considering his interest in metal, of course he tried playing those songs on it, too. Oh, no. It wasn't exactly right. He needed an electric. So he mowed lawns and did odd kid jobs to save money for one. Once he got out of that wheelchair and his butthole felt better. (laughs) Once his butthole felt better, he could mow lawns. (sighs) Oh, poor guy. My butthole hurts for him. Yeah, I know. (laughs) He got pretty good at playing it, and with the help of some really cool band teachers that let him use recording equipment, he laid down some tracks of his own. Nice. His first real band happened by accident. In 1988, Devin responded to an ad in the weekly publication The Georgia Strait, seeking demos for an upcoming battle of the bands. Ooh. He sent them a four-song demo that he called Gray Skies, and to his surprise, they accepted him. Except he didn't have a band to actually play the show. <gasps> Yeah. How do you... (laughs) He scrambled to put one together, recruiting his friend Greg Price on drums, Greg's brother Darren on guitar, and their friend Chris Jenner on bass. Not that Chris Jenner. I know. Chris with a C. like, can we... (laughs) Can we imagine this Really quick, like a young Devin Townsend and his, like, high school buddies and Chris Jenner (laughs) now on bass? Was it bass? Uh, uh, yes, on bass. Yeah, on bass, playing with them. <laughs> yeah, I want you to picture that. Honestly, I bet she would do it. She'd she probably would. do it. Yeah, good for her. Yeah. She knows a good marketing scheme when she sees one. Yeah. For keyboards, they got a friend named Brian Waddell to play. Brian made a spectacular first impression, rolling up to the gig and barfing rum all over their driveway. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> that would be the beginning of a long friendship between Devin and Brian, oh. who would come back much later to play on a couple different Devin projects. Nice. While the ba- Battle of the Bands gig was awkward at best, the boys kept playing together, using the band room in their school as an after-hours practice space. They played local shows anywhere they could, usually with a repertoire of Metallica and Faith No More covers. Nice. All right. But as Devin's musical tastes started to diverge, the band just didn't hold itself together. Yeah. Because I mean, right. High schoolers. Right. Shit. Shit happens. Things change. It's fine. Somebody's girlfriend got pregnant. <laughs> huh. Woof. Oof a doof. Not Devin's. Nope. Not Devin's. Just laying that out there. Not Devin's. Not Devin's. Because right now, the two big bands in Devin's life were, one, Jane's Addiction, and this is where we very much diverge. Yeah, I was like, ooh, you hate our, Jane's yeah, Addiction. Yeah, I hate Jane's Addiction. But then we reconvene okay. for his second big influence, which was Fear Factory. Ooh, y'all. Right? I, but I think I even told you when you start having me listen to Devin Townsend, I'm like, I hear a lot of Fear Factory in this. If you listen to Strapping Young Lad, which oh, I will get yes. to later- very heavily influenced oh, by Fear God. Factory. It's so good, though. Made me miss Fear Factory. I'm pretty sure I went back to listen to Obsolete after I listened oh, to Oh, I did. I did. I listened to Obsolete and Digimortal, and I was like, oh, this brings me back. This brings me back. Oh, this brings me this back. Brings me back. 
And it's so good. It is still really. I don't give a Fear shit. Fear Factory shit holds up. still holds up 100%. Fight us. And later on, actually, Devin becomes pretty good friends with Burton and Dino. Oh. And they were just huge influences on him and good friends and good, good, good peeps for, for him. That's nice. So. I, think, I, I assume they're still friends. I don't know. I hope that they are. I have no reason to believe they wouldn't be. Exactly. So musically, he was growing, and he learned a lot in his next band, Caustic Thought. He met band members Byron Stroud, Jed Simon, and Ian White while still in Grey Skies. But after Grey Skies went kaput, he replaced an exiting Jed on rhythm guitar. This band was his crash course in metal guitar playing. Interesting. Caustic Thought didn't last, and by the early 90s, Devin was in college and working at restaurants and odd jobs to make ends meet. And here's where we hit the struggling artist arc. (laughs) Not for very long, though. One really important thing here is that around this time is when Devin met Tracy Turner, the love of his life and probably the best thing that ever happened to him. Don't leave him. She didn't. She stayed with him for 28 years. They're still together. Tracy and Devin met at Club Soda in Vancouver when he was only 19. That is the most Canadian-sounding place I've ever heard in my fucking life. Yeah, and there's multiple ones. There's actually one in Montreal, too. In at Montreal. least. Montreal. Quebec. Quebec. <laughs> actually, this is why no one likes us, because we really butcher the word. Because we make fun of Quebec. Oh, so does everybody. We're not the only ones. We aren't, though. We're not <laughs> special. No, we're not. <laughs> Anyway, Tracy owned a clothing store called Violet Addiction, and from the sounds of it, she was so much cooler than Devin was at that oh, time. Oh, I have no doubt in my mind. 100%. She was out of his league. The fact that, like, I relate to everything Devin Townsend, like, does and stands for, I'm like, yeah, he's a fucking loser. <laughs> no, but he's an adorable loser. Oh, no, no. Like, like, like he's a loser I would hang out with like because being, I'm a loser, too. It's like being the geeks and freaks and geeks. Yes. Yes. You're his gonna- life... 100% reminds me of Freaks and Right, like, he's going to grow up and he's going to do great, but, like, he is going to fucking struggle until he's 30. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, don't you know? <laughs> That's more Midwestern, but it kind of works. Uh, within months of dating, they basically moved in together and have been together ever since. And girl has been with him for 28 years. That's adorable. At this point. That's not to say their relationship has been rainbows and sausages this whole time. What? Rainbows and sausages? Is that a thing now? Okay. Do you ever watch Wife Swap? (laughs) (laughs) No, just go Google rainbows and sausages and you will know exactly what I'm talking about. Okay. They have had many ups and downs, but they've pulled through every time. What's it like? And you know what? Miss Lady is getting shit done. She's been involved in Devin's career behind the scenes basically since it started. She's handled merch, selling sh- shit at his shows, and even helped set up and run Heavy Devi Records. Was Devin- she at his show? Huh? I wonder if she was selling merch at his show. No, not at, not at the show we went to. No. Oh. No. And yeah, Heavy Devi Records is Devin's independent record label. So I think at this point, we should give Tracy a nice round of applause. Fuck yeah, Tracy! Yeah, yeah! Woo-woo! Do it! Because that girl is pretty sweet. She was also there to help Devin shop out his first solo demos. He made the recording called Noisescapes with the help of his old high school buddy, Greg Price. 
She was also there to help Devin shop out his first solo demos. He'd made the recording called Noisecapes with the help of his old high school buddy, Greg Price. But before mailing it out to record labels, he attached the cassettes to the crotches of old pairs of underwear and shipped them out that way. Why? Because it's funny and he's a fucking teenager and who gives a shit? That's, you know what? I'm here for it. I'm here for it. It's fine. <laughs> and somehow he actually got a response. Relativity Records called and flew him to New York, where they offered him a seven-album deal. Wow. The rest was a manic blur, basically. Shortly after signing, Devin got a call asking if he'd be interested in singing on Steve Vai's next album. Shit. Who is a fucking guitar legend. Yeah. Steve Vai was someone... crazy. Yeah, yeah. Steve Vai was someone that Devin idolized his entire life. And at this point, he was about 19. So to get a call like that was unimaginable. Yeah. Yeah. But what? Yeah. It's basically if you got a call from, like, Brian May and was like, hey, do you want to sing on this? Uh, Yeah, exactly. uh, Chloe face. I, like, for three days straight, I'd be catatonic Chloe face. And you'd be like, yeah, but I'm fucking terrified. Oh, I would shit my pants a hundred (laughs) percent. Shit your pants! I'm gonna. (laughs) At least three times. What came out of this experience was Steve Vai's 1992 album, Sex and Religion. It did pretty well, reaching number 48 on the Billboard 200 chart. But this was smack in the middle of the grunge era. Steve Vai was a re- well-respected guitarist, but also starting to become a novelty. Yeah, I mean, the 90s were weird. Yeah. Still, Devin accepted the gig, but she was rough. Moving to L.A. to record with Vai put a strain on his relationship with Tracy. And a strain on life. Period. And recording someone else's music was difficult for someone whose performance is wrapped up in connecting with the subject matter. Music about Steve Vai watching his son be birthed from his wife's loins wasn't something a 19-year-old Devin could connect to very well. That's the worst song you could write. (laughs) He actually used recordings of his wife giving birth in this album. She consented to that? Apparently. I wouldn't, but, Um, I think 90% of women would not. I guess you do you? I don't know. You know what? I'm not going to kink shame. Yeah. Kudos to you. <laughs> and I'm not saying that's a kink. Ew. I'm just saying... Oh. Ew! Ew! I mean, it is a kink, I'm... but I'm not saying it's a kink for them. I'm just not trying to shame anyone for the choices that I'm... they've no. made consciously. I and... mean, you do you, but... Ew! <laughs> not helping things was the tension during recording. The other musicians Vibe recruited for the album basically viewed Devin with contempt. Oh, They were professionals and he was a teenage dipshit that ain't got no root in the music industry. I mean, like, he's not a dipshit. But they thought he was. Well, that's not nice. I mean. And I don't like that. Some of them, like, weren't, like, too contemptuous towards him. But others were like, get the fuck out of my face, you stupid kid. I hate that whole, like, you gotta, like earn it man yeah. and bullshit like sometimes people are just good and like if they're not here's the thing if Devin was a fucking dickhole through this I'd, yeah. be, like, I'd be like yeah fuck him like you gotta, fucking you gotta be an earn asshole your to respect him, that's fine. but he's a perfectly kind respectful person exactly and that's why I'm like if somebody like respects you admires you wants to learn from you you should fucking nurture that shit mm-hmm. baby boomers ooh fight me getting out the big guns I'm gonna without control 
<laughs> oh, 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 what's gun control? I don't know. This is not a political podcast. I don't want to talk about this. Nobody does. <laughs> he also felt totally unprepared for what he was being asked to do. He wasn't a professional singer. He had no confidence in his singing either. Mm-hmm. But Steve Vai and the recording label wanted him to magically be this exceptional rock front man. And he didn't have his muse with him. Who? His wife. Oh, Tracy. Tracy. Yeah. Well, this was also a very tumultuous time for them. It was like the beginning of their relationship. He had to move to L.A. He was like doing his art. (laughs) Gotta do my art, babe. Gotta do do my art, babe. Just leave me alone. I got to quit D&D for this. No man, sometimes you're gonna take... be dungeon master next no, man, campaign. Sometimes you gotta take a break from D and D, and it breaks your goddamn heart. And you're like, I just don't have time, guys. I'm sorry. Yeah. We understand. You understand. I that. do. Understand, I don't understand. I just had but to you do understand. that, and it fucking sucked. Vi also micromanaged the shit out of the recording. The album was billed as a pseudo supergroup where everybody <laughs> contributed to write contributed to writing but vi took over the whole project which forced them all to realize his musical vision wherein they had very little input and it really left a bad taste in devin's mouth that's fair totally fair yeah i get this and of course a tour followed it was short but it didn't go well and as a result devin acted out one particularly juvenile and totally fucking hilarious stunt the band performed on the tonight show then hosted by jay leno Woof. devin wasn't into it at all so backstage after the performance he got bug naked and took lewd photos on jay's desk that's awesome in one photo he very much has jay's phone up his ass <gasps> you can find these pictures on the internet if you are so inclined unbeknownst to him they had hidden cameras in the green room, and Jay was not happy. Oh, good. I'm genuinely good to hear <laughs> yes, that that pissed him I off. I am glad he put Jay Leno's phone up his ass. I'm upset that Jay Leno saw it before he could have touched it. <laughs> Maybe he did touch it. I don't know. Maybe he could have gotten some motorcycle handle on that. I don't know. But yes, you can find this photo online. Just Google Devin Townsend, Jay Leno's phone. <laughs> I did it. I saw it. I saw things. <laughs> but they were great things. Right? They were fine things. Well, I mean, they were hilarious. They were hilarious That's things. what I mean. Also, they were fine things. Yeah, they were fine things. They were fine things. Like, I, I look at it. <laughs> I will Google it for you I'll when Google we're done. That. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. You guys get to pause this. <laughs> Go look at it right now. I know you did. Dirty people. Dirty. Dirty, dirty birdies. birdies. As the tour went on, Devin grew more and more discontent. He didn't drink or do drugs at this point and was in a committed relationship, so all the perks of rock and roll touring were lost on him. See, this is the one place where I'd be like, well, that's kind of a downfall, being real squeaky clean, though, isn't it? He was super squeaky clean. Because at least if you had booze. At least. I would never say cheat on your spouse. I would never say do hard drugs. But, like, maybe, like, puff, puff, pass. Yeah, something. Maybe a chug of beer. Something. It, It helps get you through the evening. When you have to deal with all these, like, hardcore rock and roll, like, old timers who are really into that shit. Yeah. But to each their own. If that's not his thing, that's not his thing. I mean, he was still technically underage. Yes, he was. So, all right. I get it. Granted, when you're on this kind of tour, that probably doesn't really matter. But still. You know, touring just fucking sucks. 
especially when you're an inexperienced noob and can basically do whatever the fuck you wanted. There were times on the tour that he had manic episodes that ended disastrously and embarrassingly, and it was straight up taxing. It was not a good tour. Oh, no. After the Vi tours finally came to an end, Devin met with the Relativity record exec to discuss that seven-album deal that that had been put on hold. Oh, no. He was unceremoniously informed that Noisecapes was garbage and he was being dropped from the label. What? Yeah. I I don't know. So he packed his shit and went back home to Vancouver, having learned a great deal, but also completely disillusioned. Honestly, yeah, that just sounds like all the worst of everything. Yeah, basically. It was rough returning to normal life. He was broke, so he had to go get a normal job again. And the music industry left him feeling disenchanted. And then Roadrunner Records offered him a deal. Roadrunner, yeah. Okay. But hopes were dashed after they promptly rescinded it, also saying that Noisecapes was garbage. Come on! It's oh, come on! It's not that bad. Like, it's there's not! Promise. There's promise! Then, fortuitously, a friend named Ginger gave Devin a call. Ginger was the guitarist and frontman for the UK band The Wild Hearts, who opened for Steve Vai during the second part of their tour. He offered Devin a gig as a touring guitarist, and okay. he jumped at the opportunity and went to the UK to record and tour for a year. It was a difficult year, fraught with culture shock and personality clashes. Yeah. But through the chaos, Devin started writing songs for what would become his landmark band, Strapping Young Lad. Mm-hmm. Unbeknownst to him, the exec from Roadrunner that offered and then retracted a record deal passed Noisecapes to the A&R guy from Century Media. He reached out to Devin and offered him a deal. No one else was biting at the time, so Devin took it. Okay. What resulted was Strapping Young Lad, an extreme metal band, as notorious for blast beats and wall of sound production as it was for its lyrical dark sense of humor. Mm. That wall of sound production and dark humor would eventually become Devin's signature throughout his entire career. Oh, very much so. And that's why I love him. Those are the two things... Two two main things why I love Devin's music. That shit stands today. Yeah, 100%. He recorded most of Strapping Young Lad's album by himself with a few parts done by session musicians. One of those was Jed Simon, the guy he replaced in Caustic Thought, who had become a full-time Strapping Young Lad band member. He recorded it in about a week with a budget of $8,000, and on April 4th, 1995, Heavy as a Really Heavy Thing was released. (laughs) (laughs) It got good reviews, but boy, did it sell poorly. Only 142 copies in the first month. Ooh. 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 Ow. In more recent years, Devin was... Devin has basically said the album wasn't up to snuff. And to be honest, it's not the most accessible album ever made. It was essentially a collection of reworked demos and the production was not very good. It's mm. it's really not that good. I will even cop to that. It's not very good. I mean, everybody gets one. Everybody gets one. Yeah. But the fact that it wasn't very good wasn't the point. The point was to be the most extreme sounding band possible. After his less than pleasant experiences with Steve Vai and the Wild Hearts, and after being rejected by two record labels, the music he wanted to make was auditory chaos and destruction, but he also wanted it to be tongue-in-cheek. He'd gradually been getting into death metal, and Fear Factory had been his boner jams for years now, so that was the direction he went in. Right. And this album sounded like a Fear Factory album. Like, period. 
Oh, yeah. In the meantime, while he was recording Strapping Young Lad stuff, he started experimenting with drugs for the first time. Oh, wow. He just went straight for that, didn't he? Yeah. Just like really reached out, go for the gold. Yeah. I mean, he at this point, he would drink a little bit, but not that much. Like maybe twice a year he'd be drunk. Yeah. But that was about it. So he was just like, oh, these drugs things. And I guess I'll just try them. That's fine. Mm. It was only ever weed and psychedelics for Devin. Thank- oh, that's fine. Thank God. That's fine. I was afraid you were going to say like, crack. No. All there right. was one point. No. That- oh, oh, all right. No. I'm fine with weed none and psychedelics. Of, none of this heroin. However, he still abused weed and psychedelics. I would say abused weed is not a real thing. He smoked too much weed. I mean, there is definitely, like, in Half-Baked, that part where, like, we're not a bunch of potheads, and it's like, pothead, pothead, pothead. But it's like, when I say abused, I mean, he became, he started to rely on it to function and to also create music. Okay, and that's... When you rely on it to function, that's... uh... Yeah, and I mean, because I'll say, I'll even say the same for, like, alcohol. It's like, it's for fun. Right. It is yeah, this like was an not- extracurricular. When drugs become, or alcohol, I, fuck it, drugs, or alcohol's a drug. Fuck, sugar's a drug. When you start to rely on that shit Caffeine's to Caffeine's like, a drug. Yeah. Everybody you, relies on it. Yeah. I mean, but like, there's varying levels, but when right. you get to a point where you're relying on alcohol and drugs to function, that is a different right. psychological right. problem. And eventually he would get to a point where he could not, you know make music unless he was high as a fucking kite which i don't think that's true it's just that you put your exactly. your, your mentality in exactly. this position of oh i can't like go out in public unless i have a couple puffs exactly i can't go um to this family function unless i'm drinking exactly which, exactly actually exactly. no you know what there's definitely some family functions i gotta drink <laughs> through i rescind that yeah. one <laughs> so he didn't do any of this cracker heroin shit cool Cool, cool, cool. Cool, cool, No heroin. I love it. Heroin-free episode. Yes, finally. Around the same time, he started having explosive bouts of anger. Not necessarily sparked by drug use, but they were scary nonetheless. And that had a huge influence on Strapping Young Lad's music to a point where it was needed in order to make more music. Hmm. Century Media wanted another Strapping Young Lad album out of Devon, but the anger-induced headspace he needed to be in to make another metal album wasn't there anymore. Hmm. So we moved back to LA. The source, I mean, the source of all the pestilence and bullshit that inspired the first album. You know what? You need some good fucking like material to write angry shit. Honestly, go to LA. to LA. Neither one of us enjoy LA. No. I, I lived in New York for four years and I'll fucking tell you, if you were, if you were like, you gotta choose one. Oh, oh New York in a hurry. Every time. Every I hate time. New York City. I do not like it. I do not like going there. But gun there. to your head. Gun to my head. I am picking New York like, City. I no, don't, no hesitation. Like, you don't even have to say the other choices. I will pick New York City. It's fine. It's a hell I know and it's a hell I understand. Yes, yes exactly. Boston? Nope. No. LA? Oh, no. No. No, Actually, no, no. I don't know. Maybe Chicago? I've never been. I've never been. I would choose La- Las Vegas. I love Las Vegas. I've never been to Las Vegas. It's fantastic. All right. Might pick Seattle, though I've never been there. Seattle seems lovely. You know what I would pick? Toronto. Toronto is a lovely city. Toronto's weird. It is 
supremely weird, and I love every second of it. I gotta get used to it. Send me to Toronto for a week. Let's let's talk about that. Hey, hey, somebody out there, send, send us, us to, to Toronto. Toronto for a week. <laughs> let me let me see how I drive in there. Yeah, I might fit in just fine. What resulted was the album City, which Devin described as the ultimate strapping record. It was a huge step up from the first album in every way. And honestly, yeah, this is the kind of album I'd listen to if I were pissed off at the world. Yeah. And it's fucking brutal, but it's also amazing. I sent you that song, Oh My Fucking God. Yes. It's just like five minutes of blast beats. Yeah. It's ridiculous, but also that was the exact atmosphere that he was trying to create. Yeah, I was like, is it is he being funny or is he being sincere? Both. Yes, both. Okay. He's being sincerely funny. <laughs> and funnily sincere. Yes. Sincerely funny, funnily sincere. Can we send that to him? Yeah. He should take it. <laughs> he should take oh, it. Oh, let's make him a t-shirt that says that. Oh, that'd be nice. We love you. <laughs> <laughs> After City was released in February 1997, a tour was planned. But well before a tour started, before City was even recorded... Devin had been contacted by Sony Japan's A&R guy with a delightful offer that he could not refuse. Delightful. Delightful. See, Strapping Young Lad wasn't really what Devin wanted to do. What he really wanted to do was a completely different album called Ocean Machine. Hmm. Ocean Machine was a collection of decidedly metal songs, but with a more progressive slash ambient bend to them. Which is really more my jam. Yeah, and I think that was really more Devin's jam. I feel it. After strapping, that's pretty much the direction he went headfirst into. All right. It was definitely not the super screamy, let's see how fast I can play the song shit you hear from strapping. Right. This was the shit that really spoke to him. But no one but Sony Japan was even giving it a second look. Ocean Machine was released in July 1997, only a few months after strapping City came out. Hmm. So two albums in less than a few months. Go for him. Jesus. It was important in the sense that it was the first of Devin's more progressive metal albums and the music that means the most to him. It was also a huge learning experience. He recorded a lot of it at his friend's studio in Japan, where they ran into innumerable technical issues, not to mention the studio's owner constantly kicked them out in the middle of the day so he could, quote, jam with my friend Antonio Banderas. What?! I'm just picturing this. It kind of sounds adorable. Like, it sounds like a weird comic strip. Yeah, like, he went to Spain to record in this studio with his friend, and the fucking studio's owner, like, wasted no time mentioning every chance he could that he was friends with Antonio Banderas, and Antonio Banderas would come over every fucking afternoon to jam with this guy. So, I'm picturing, like, so it's probably a Japanese guy, I'm imagining? No, it's a Spanish guy. They're in Spain. They're in the bottom tip of Spain. He flew to Spain to record this album. I thought he was doing it for Sony Japan. Yes, Sony Japan was distributing it, but he was recording it with a friend in Spain. Oh, this is just the tip of the iceberg. This is going to get convoluted as fuck. I'm sorry. All right. Okay. (laughs) It makes a little bit more sense now. Yeah. Because I just pictured, like, Antonio Pinteris in Japan jamming with some Japanese Okay, no, that's the story. That's That's the story. story. Sticking to it. (laughs) But they got the album done, and Devin was proud of it. And Ocean Machine didn't make huge waves. (laughs) (laughs) Get out! (laughs) But it did receive acclaim. So after Strapping Young Lad's second album was completed, Devin started work on another solo album called Infinity. 
he kind of went ham on psychedelics and weed while recording Infinity. Oh, you don't say. Yeah. And during one trip where he took quite a lot of magic mushrooms, he ended up writing gibberish on a stranger's kitchen wall and was convinced he'd been given the key to human evolution. Oh, my God. I need to do shrooms. And this was the basis for the record. And he was pretty much delusional through the entire recording of it because drugs. But they're fun. Like, these aren't drugs. Like, I would never tell someone, But he you know, was doing them I know, I know a what lot. I know what you're saying. Like, okay, guys, drugs are bad, okay? <laughs> like, again, these are recreational items. Alcohol and drugs are for, like, the weekend when you're like, I need to fucking forget about this past week. It's still not healthy, but you know what? I don't need... Yeah. Oh, my... You and know, that's... hold on. Hold on. Are we being hypocrites? We're being hypocrites. I don't think so. I think we're being hypocrites. Well, do you want to record an episode without beer? <laughs> we could. We're like, no, we're silly enough that we could. 100%. I know now, it sounds like I'm downing myself, yo, but no, I believe it. We should do a dry it. episode. Uh, fine. Now you've set the fucking, we're going to have to do a dry episode. We're going to have to find the most boring person to do an episode on and just not drink. Oh, this is a challenge. We're going to yeah. do it. Yeah, we're going to have to do it. Because now, now the, I feel no. like at I the, feel like we're being hypocrites. At the end of the summer, we need to pick somebody to right. do a dry That's episode dry, dry episode challenge. Ugh. We can do it. Um, I wow. don't... Th- no. I don't think that we're being hypocrites because... The way he described it in his book is that he was doing this to a point where he relied on it. Okay. I don't rely on alcohol to work. I don't rely. Oh. I don't rely on alcohol to do most of my daily functions. Right. He was relying on alcohol to do his job. Right. Or not alcohol. He was relying on psychedelics and and weed to do his job. And that is where the difference lies. And I do wonder, too, am I just so fucking run down by hearing about heroin? I'm like, you know what? Mushrooms are fine. Mushrooms are fine. Mushrooms and weed are fucking (laughs) fine, guys. Do as much as you want. And normally I would be like, weed and psychedelics are fine because they are. But when you are relying on any type of drug... To get done what you need to get what done. What you need to get done yeah, that's on a when it's daily a basis, that is when it's a problem. And that's more of a psychological thing, really, than yes. even like a, a chemical thing. Yes, completely. All right. I'm glad we had this talk. <laughs> Go to your room. Yeah. <laughs> You're still grounded. You're still grounded. I found those joints. And also, another point is he dragged his family and friends through the fucking mud with him when he recorded Infinity. No way. Like, he would convince himself that coffee and drugs were terrible and only drink tea and do yoga for an entire week. And then, just a few days later, he'd flip it and only drink coffee and smoke weed. Oh, see, like, that's binging and purging, and that is terrible. Very unhealthy. That's terrible. Don't do that. What he didn't know at the time was that these were indicators of bipolar disorder. (gasps) What? Somehow, the mental chaos he was going through worked, and Infinity turned out to be an exceptional album. I mean, it is because it really is good album. It's really good. That's that's true. He even became a big thing in Japan because Sony Japan, big in Japan, He's big in Japan. But then he started oversharing some intense shit in Japanese interviews, which Ooh. 
You don't do in Japan. They're very um conservative. Yeah, they're very they're very closed off. Yes. You don't express feelings and like talk about gross things and everything's sex and stuff. rainbows and sausages in Japan. Everything is rainbows and sausages in Japan. <laughs> and because of this, he was abruptly never spoken to again in Japan. Oh. <laughs> they cut him off. How tall is he? Six feet. Yeah, that's still too tall for Japan. <laughs> You're too tall and you talk about weird shit. We don't talk to you anymore. I was too tall for Japan. And I'm 5'9". And that's probably why he took a break from recording with Strappy Young Lad for five years. Wow. In those five years, he recorded a solo album called Physicist. Which was originally a project he created with then Metallica bassist Jason Newstead. What? Yeah, you didn't know this. I didn't know this. I didn't though. But when James Hetfield and Lars Ulrich found out about the project, they lost their shit and allegedly prevented Jason from working on any side projects. And that was the catalyst that eventually led to Jason quitting Metallica. I thought it was because Jason wanted he to wanted start to do Echo Brain. Echo Brain. No, Echo Brain was after this. Echo Brain was like. Echo Brain might have been the actual straw that broke the camel's yes. back, but this was this probably was like beginning. 10 pounds of straw. This, yeah, this, I don't know how much straw a camel can hold. <laughs> it was a few bales. doesn't sound it was that a, much. It was a few bales of hay at this point. Like the camel's like, yeah, you're taking the piss now. Come yeah. on. Like this is heavy, but like, I guess so. And then there was that one extra one with, that said Echo Brain on it. And the camel's like, I'm over it. No. Fuck no. you. You're doing it. It could have been amazing, and you fucked it up. Wait, did, but they did record, didn't they? Or were they going to record? They, re- they could still record. You're both still alive. Do it. So I want it. This was not the first time that Devin and Jason collaborated together. They collaborated a long-ass time ago on this project called IR8, and they did record a few songs with IR8, but they never released anything. Would that be irate? Yeah. <laughs> I'm calling it IR8. But it's irate. I don't care. Okay. I'm calling it IRA because it it's irate. stupid. I like it. It's very new metal, like early 2000s. I, that's 90s. why I can't call it irate. <laughs> <sighs> Look, he was taking a lot of psychedelics. It's fine. The point is, I still want them to do something. That would be wonderful, but I think the time has passed. It no. Is, it's not going to happen. No, I'm going to hold that hope. Maybe you can get a, a a hand on those IR8 <laughs> demos or something. Yeah, IR8 demos. Yeah. Gonna. So Devin ended up completing Physicist on his own, and everyone kind of hated it. What? It sounded forced, and Devin even cops to that. The negative reaction to the album, along with the realization that he was disassociating with the world, viewing humans as walking, talking bags of meat and nothing more, sent him into a deep depression, and he checked himself into a psychiatric center. I mean, good to understand this. You realize it. There, he was finally diagnosed with bipolar disorder and put on different psych meds. But he still continued to drink and do recreational drugs, though, which is... Highly ill-advised. Don't do it. You don't do that. You can't do it. Like, you might be able to have, like, two beers, but that's, like, it. Yeah, because it, it Maybe accelerates. Maybe you can have, like, a hit of weed, but that's it. It accelerates the effects of those things so much. I would not suggest taking a psychedelic when you have bipolar disorder. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do it. Especially when you're on the medication for it. Ooh, that's a really bad idea. Not a great plan. 
He appeased his family by taking his prescriptions like a good boy. <laughs> but behind their backs, he was drinking and smoking, believing he could... Like he, some rebellious teenager. Yes, exactly. <laughs> believing he couldn't function creatively without those substances. Although he was present and noticeably calmer, the depression didn't subside and he kept going back for more hospital stays. Eventually, he got himself on enough of a schedule to function and went back to making music. Back in the studio, Devin recorded and released Teria in 2001 as a way to make up for the disappointment of physicists. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the shitty album. Here's a really good one. I'm real sorry. <laughs> Terrio was an introspective album dedicated to the motherland of Canada, Aww. and it was received a whole lot better than Physicist. Oh, you got to go back to being Canadian. Yeah, just that's how people are going to love you. Go back to the motherland, eh? Were you talking about, eh? Uh, go back to your home, back to your hoose. Take off hoser, back to your <laughs> homeland, eh? <laughs> I love Canada. No, I by the way, we're love, not. Yeah, this is not making a fun dig. of it. Like we fucking love Canada, except for Quebecois. Quebecois. I have my own personal beef with Quebec. All right, if you want to know, fucking ask me. Yeah. Now here is where I'm going to be skipping around a bit. Okay. Since 1995, when Strapping's first album came out, so that was like 24 years ago. Oof. Devin has put out 25 albums, and that doesn't include the albums he, he's produced or guested on. 25 in 24 years. Yeah, think about that. Think about that. We're a pot, we're an audio medium, so like <laughs> my face isn't reading right now. Yeah, but it's, it's shock. It's shock and horror. Almost. A little, honestly, like I am edging towards horror. You're edging right now. <laughs> edging really hard. <laughs> What? So, obviously, I can't possibly talk about every single record he's put out, and I'm not going to do that. Highlights! <laughs> so if you out there are a Devin Townsend fan, don't be mad at me if I don't deep dive into your favorite Devin album. I mean, we're already an hour in, guys. It's not going to happen. I'm only going to talk about the ones that I personally love and that are important to the story. That's fair. I'm okay. here for it. My notes are extensive. They are dense. I didn't need to make them more dense. No. We're drunk and we do hot takes. That's kind of what you're here for, I imagine. I hope. And I had to make room for hot takes, so it's a lot, guys. Hot takes. Hot takes. That said, 2003 saw the release of Accelerated Evolution by a new outfit called the Devin Townsend Band. This band was a new beast. Is that not the project? It is not. I will get to the project. Oh my god. I'm tired. It's confusing. Yes. So the Devin Townsend band was a whole new beast. A hard rock one with a melody that was the complete antithesis of Strapping Young Lad and not as experimental in new agey as his solo stuff. Okay. Only two records were put out under the Devin Townsend Band moniker, Accelerated Evolution, of course, and 2006's Synchestra. It was dissolved after the second album because, despite having a completely new lineup, the band members just didn't fit together the right way. Yeah, it happens. It happens. Even though there were some gems on these albums, they wouldn't have the intensity and quality of his solo works. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, there was still another album needed to fulfill the Century Media contract, so Devin went back into the studio with Strapping Young Lad to get it done. 
The New Black was released in 2006 to critical and fan acclaim. It was their most successful album, often referred to as their magnum opus. But the whole experience was psychologically exhausting for Tevin. During the recording, he decided to go off his bipolar meds. Oh, no. But continued to abuse drugs and alcohol. Nope. Which eventually caused, caused him to have another breakdown. Yeah. You don't say. This all checks. This all checks out. Still, the album did well and even charted on the Billboard 200 at number 200. But he did it. But he did it. You fucking did it. <laughs> they toured with Ozfest in 2006, but it wasn't really their bag. After almost getting kicked off of the tour halfway through, Devin said fuck this shit and actively started badmouthing the entire festival and its drawbacks while on stage. Was he like badmouthing Ozzy? Was Ozzy like, oh, well, these fucking kids on my fucking tour. I think he that was, is the worst Ozzy Osbourne anyone's ever done. That was great. And I, th- no, I think that was spot on. That was spot on. Sharon. <laughs> Seriously though, like, well, uh, who are they getting beef from? It's either Sharon or, uh, uh. <laughs> I think it was mostly uh, management and security. Security okay, okay. is a fucking dick at Ozfest, so that's fair. And like crews can be shitty too. Yeah, and the reason they almost got kicked off the tour was because they walked into an area that they weren't supposed to go to, and security yeah, when you lost get their corporate shit. Like that shit. Fuck that. By now, after five albums under his belt and about seven albums from other projects released, Strapping Young Lad had finally started gaining traction, but it was not to be. Strapping had started out as a bit of a joke because Devin wanted to cheekily create the heaviest and most brutal metal band out there, but it quickly took over everything, and it was causing him depression and bipolar episodes left and right. So after the Ozfest stint and the record contract was fulfilled, the band dissolved and he took a well-deserved break. Oh, all right. You know what? Good idea. Yeah. It happens. Sometimes you're like, you know what? Good plan. It's a good plan. Good plan. 2006 was a turning point, and he decided to get sober for real. The spark that lit the flame under his ass was that Tracy was now pregnant with their son, Rainer. And this is their first kid? Their first and only kid. Holy shit, so they've been together 20 years almost at this point? Uh, Not 20. I would... So 91. Okay, so like 15. 15 years. Still! Yeah. Way to pull out! (laughs) (laughs) Good job on that birth control. Good job on that birth control, kids. You know what? You know what? It works. Good for you. Guys, it works. You don't want to get pregnant? Condoms and pills. Perfect example of how birth control works. Use it. (laughs) Just use it. And you know what? When it doesn't work, when you don't want it to work, it doesn't. Good job. Yeah, that's how science works, guys. You know what? You know what, Devin and Tracy? Good job making a baby. Proud of you. You, you know what? It. You figured out the science. You fucking did it. You guys fucking did it. So now he spent more time at home producing other people's stuff and continuing to write his own music. He also cut all of his hair off, which was a really good idea. Oh, well, that's because... Up until now, he had white boy dreads and a skullet. Well, he- <laughs> That's what they call it. I know, okay. but it makes me so, laugh so hard every time. If you don't know what a skullet is, Woof. it is a mullet, but the top of your head is bald. And you just and, he, know. Th- and that's what he had, but the part that was hair was long and it was dreads. Yeah. I'm sorry. It was so bad. It was bad. It was bad. It was bad. It wasn't Thank- great. Thank um, God. I don't he- know if you bring it up in your notes, so I'm not trying to steer thunder, but... <laughs> 
he is friends with Guar. Yes, he is. Um, who we've talked about previously, if you're curious about Guar. In our Guar episode. With Andy with, from the V-Spot. Yes. Yes. There is a great episode. Long. Took me a lot of time to edit. Please listen but to it. it. I worked so hard. it is such a good story. We, we all worked did. so hard. We all worked very hard <laughs> and had a very good time. Yes. The point is, Devin Townsend, friends with Guar, did some videos with them. Yep. With they the are... skullet. <laughs> with the skullet. Oh, the skullet was so bad. But those videos are so funny. So if you want a good example of the skullet, just look go for YouTube. De- Devin Townsend. Yeah, YouTube Guar and Devin Townsend. And yeah, he produced their record Beyond Hell, maybe? Yeah. I don't remember. You I don't did the episode. Remember. I don't remember. But I think Andy covered that half. He did. He did. But yeah, it was... <sighs> It was not a good haircut. But while we're on the subject of Guar, he does have a little excerpt in his autobiography about his experience producing with Guar. Mm -hmm. And he has this very sweet, very heartwarming and very bittersweet excerpt about his experience with Dave Brocky that he was good friends with, who stayed at his house when they were recording and when he was producing the record. And Dave Brocky is a dog lover. And it broke me it oh. broke me when i read it it was so sweet and so adorable and you know ripperoni dave brocky we love Pour you one out so yeah he he took a break he Good. shaved off the skullet thank god thank god, thank god. honestly thank thank the, praise jess praise jess around this time he also contributed voices to several episodes of metalocalypse oh, our fees so fucking good it has been argued that the character Pickles was mod- modeled after Devin. Stop, really? I mean, have you looked at Pickles? <laughs> Look, yeah, but He like- has a skullet with dreads. <laughs> oh my god! My god. And he, ca- and he has like the, the Minnesotan accent, which is very similar it's to Canadian. the Canadian accent. Oh my god. But oh. both Brendan Small and Devin say he's not modeled after Devin. I think that's a lie but also can brendan and devin start a super group <gasps> panties dropped oh yeah give me a you're, minute you're touching yourself tonight give me a minute yeah this is why people don't listen to us <laughs> <laughs> or this is why they do i don't know Ooh, i feel uncomfortable both ways <laughs> either way either way it's not, not a good look for us what am i doing please continue but none of these changes helped spark any creativity in the guy. He found it hard to write without drugs or alcohol to help him out. After seeking counseling to find out what the fuck was going on, he dove deep into places inside himself he'd never been before and just Oof. wrote whatever was in there. Eventually, what he found inside of himself was the album Ziltoid the Omniscient. Oh my god. This was a rock opera-esque concept album about an alien named Ziltoid that comes to Earth demanding our universe's ultimate cup of coffee. But honestly, this is a fantastic album. It's, uh, It's so much fun. How do you describe Ziltoid? You know what this is? This is if you turn Muppets into an album. Exactly. This is exactly Exactly. his love of puppets and music come together. And if you go online to Devin's merchandise page, you can find a puppet of Ziltoid for sale. My boyfriend, Mike, has one in his studio beaming down on him while he records on his computer. But I want one now in my room. You can go get one. I'm gonna. (laughs) 
good. good. He can be our mascot for when we oh, record. Yay. He's a recording mascot. Oh, that's so cute. I like him. So after deeming the coffee he was served to be fetid, <laughs> he orders the Ziltoidian warlords to attack Earth. It was truly a solo record. He oh, did yeah. everything himself. And I have to say, it's hilarious yep. and technically astounding piece yep. of work. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Like, for fuck's sake, Devin, how did you do this? Ziltoid came to Earth and said, show me what you've got. (laughs) To create this Guarian storyline with a backstory and make it genuinely funny isn't something just anybody can do. No. And it showcases his amazing sense of humor beautifully. Yep. Because dude's funny. That dude is funny as fuck in that live show. Yeah. Dudes cares. I'm like, I want to be his friend. I want to be this guy's best friend. The charisma of this. Like, that motherfucker. This motherfucker right here. He is a true bard. He is a true bard. And, like, he rolled his fucking dice. And, like, he got a nat 20 on his charisma roll. He knows what you're talking about right now. I know. Devin Townsend, be our friend. (laughs) Oh, my God. I want to be friends with him. I want to play D&D with Devin Townsend. Oh, Two years later, the Devin Townsend Project Uh, was born. That's it. This was a pretty bold and epic move away from Strapping Young Lad and the Devin Townsend Band, being far more commercial than anything else he'd made up until then. But also weirdly new agey. Yes. So the other, so like there were a lot of parallels between Devin's life and my life that I made while reading his book and it was freaking me the fuck out. I texted you all the time yes, about it because like, it really freaked me out. You like, just give me these bullet points of like things that we have in common. I'm like, I think damn. you're the same person. Are you Devin Townsend? I, maybe. I don't know. My God. Um, so one of those things that like, that, I was like, holy fuck, this is me, was when he was younger, he had a fascination with, like, new agey shit, too. Like, occultism and crystals and Wiccan, Wiccan shit. And, like, I remember going to the bookstore. Lorena all the- McKenna. <laughs> yes. And Celtic music. He yep. loved Celtic music. I love Celtic music. It was, like, it was very, very strange. But the Devin Townsend Project started out as this, like, ambient, like new agey kind of thing Mm -hmm. and that was because he had all of these like weird new age celtic inspirations in his young life which i also had okay it was very very strange just freaked me out a little bit you're the same person we are the same person i want to live inside you okay (laughs) no well this got weird i'm leaving (laughs) devin originally said this outfit was only to produce Four albums. But that eventually turned into seven. Woof. Like six or seven. Wow. The first was Key, released in 2009, closely followed by Addicted, which was released only a handful of months later. Addicted is hands down my favorite Devin Townsend album. With the song Awake. With the song Awake. Which we drink in the beer. Exactly. I am awake and drunk. But Addicted isn't really everyone's favorite Devin album and (laughs) Devin doesn't really even like it all that much but it's a fun record to listen to and I really fucking like it you know what there's something for everybody that's what I said Devin Townsend brings something for everybody he really does he doesn't bring it for everybody you bring it for everybody you bring it for everybody 
And the Devin Townsend Project also saw the beginning of a great professional relationship with Annika van Giersbergen, mm. ex-vocalist for the Dutch band The Gathering, which in our last episode, I'm pretty sure I said she was German. No, she's Dutch. She's Dutch. It's all right. We all fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> she would provide extensive vocals on all the Devin Townsend Project albums, and she has a gorgeous voice. And she adds a femininity, I think, his songs call for. Yes. These project albums were supposed to end after the release of Ghost in 2011, but surprise! What? Yeah, surprise. What? But, yeah, it wasn't the end. Listening to Ghost, how do you describe Ghost? I would describe it as if I walked into the bookstore that is in The Craft. Okay. I would expect this album to be playing. Oh, okay. So it's like... It's new agey, it's ambient. But like it's it's still rock. But it's still you can still like get but down it's to like, it. It's like modern rock. It's not like an old rock. It's like a modern rock. Yeah. But it also beckons to an older time. Yeah. But I'm, I'm just saying words now. In in my head when I listen to it, I'm like, this is young Devin going into the back corner of Barnes and Noble to the New Age section and just like jerking off a little bit. Or the D and D section. Or no, the New Age section. Oh, he can do both. He can jerk off in both places. It's fine. <laughs> you jerk off wherever you need you to. You jerk off wherever you want, little Devin. It's fine. Yeah. That's right. what it sounds I like. I can feel it. Yeah, that's I what guess. it sounds like. Ghost wasn't the last one. Epic Cloud came out in 2012, and two more Devin Townsend Project albums came after that. Epic Cloud came out at a time when Toddler Rayner started listening, listening to popular music. Influenced by what he was hearing with through his son, Devin set out to see if he could write a pop album through the Devin Townsend lens. Hmm. What came out of that was a truly epic pop metal album. Describing it as pop metal is kind of groan worthy, but the way the album is written is so down to earth and genuine that any pretentiousness that it could have possessed simply isn't there. See, and I would not say that pop metal sounds pretentious. I think it sounds cheap, but... Yeah, right. But... But this you add cheap. the name. You add the name Devin Townsend, and I know it's not and you cheap. Kn- you know, you know, you ain't getting it from Claire's. I ain't getting this from Claire's. This is some legit fucking K Jewelers motherfucking songs. This is some Hanush Jewelers oh, shit. shit. <laughs> it's a truly beautiful album, and I think he pushed his vocals to new levels, especially on the reworked version of the song Kingdom that's on the album. Oh. Oh, yes. Oh. Oh, Kingdom. Oh. That's good. That's, that's the song, song I want shouted into my vagina. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want Y shouted into my vagina. Oh, yeah. That would be a good one, too. I feel like that's a really good, like, oh. Y. It's it's like the way he holds on to that, the, the actual <laughs> Y in it. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that feels like a good consonant slash vowel to be sm- just smashed also, into my vagina. Also, it... It's kind of a, a interesting picture to have somebody screaming why, why, why over and over again into a vagina. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I'm here yeah, for that. The, the, yeah. All right. I mean, at least we have different choices. Yeah. But now would be the time for something completely different. Yes. Released in 2014, Casualties of Cool oh. was totally out of left field. See, I think that's... I haven't listened to everything, but I do really like Casualties of Cool. I haven't even listened to everything that he's done yet, but... Casualties of Cool is so profoundly good. Mm. And for what it is, 
as this kind of like haunting country album yes. for what it is to come from Devin Townsend, who has done nothing like this before. Right. To have it be that good is unfair. <laughs> <laughs> or it's just amazing. And, and amazing. It's unfair and amazing. This album is a collection of haunting old school country influenced songs. So very unlike anything we've ever heard from him up until this point. Mm hmm. But he fucking nailed it. You can tell this guy grew up on Johnny Cash and the sound was in his bones. The addition of Che Amy Dorval's vocals brings a mystical vibe to it. Yeah, they're gorgeous. Yeah. like just an amazing job. I would make a playlist of this, of of Casualties of Cool and Stevie Nicks' most hauntingly mystical songs. Mm. And they would mesh perfectly together. But also country. It's so yeah. weird. No, it works. It works. So, but it works so it's good. It's classic country. It's yes. not bullshit country. Yes. It's so not, it it's not modern country. It's like old school Johnny Cash and, yeah. um, Waylon Jennings. Waylon Jennings and Lord all of that. Lynn, all that good shit. It's good shit country. It's not bullshit country. Good shit country, not that bullshit, bullshit country. country. The Devin Townsend Project finally concluded with the release of Transcendence in 2016, mm. after which Devin took a break. His most recent album was Empath, released under his solo Devin Townsend moniker in March 2019. He described it as, what would happen if you took all of his current musical interests and represented them in one album? And I, I'm here for that. 100%. I know not it. everyone is, but that's... And he even said that. Like, he, he has said multiple times, this is not an album for everyone. All right. But... If you're into my shit, you're going to like it. If I were to personify myself through Devin Townsend albums, Casualties of Cool is what I wish I was, <laughs> but like Empath is what I actually am. Yeah. Yes. Perfect. I like that. All things considered, you think it would end up being a disjointed schizophrenic mess, but it's not. It works oh, beautifully. It works. it works. Case in point, the song Hear Me is a masterwork of progressive mm. metal. Holy fuck. It's real good. And that's followed by the thoroughly Disney musical-esque song, Why? Why? So fun. But I love, like, I love how fucking non-sequitur it is. Yes. They But for him, it fucking works. Yes. They should not make sense together. They are completely different styles. But somehow he makes it fucking work. He does. Because God fucking damn you, you're a goddamn genius. Seriously. You're not even doing psychedelics anymore. These two songs are the fucking Paula Abdul and MC Scat Cat of the progressive metal world. Opposites tracked. (laughs) She did it, guys. She did it. I worked Paula Abdul into this episode. I did it. Scat Cat. Scat Cat. MC Scat Cat. It's fucking did it. Not a good name for... No. Oh, no. Not great. He's been touring in support of Empath for the last few months, and I'm not sure what he's going to be up to next. A couple. I doubt he does either. Yeah, I doubt it. A couple years ago, he started talking about a project he's working on called The Moth, which is a, which was described as a Broadway style musical about dicks and vaginas. And I am here here for for it. it. Here for it. I want this to happen. Here for it. So bad. Do it. So bad. Here for it. I will be the first in line for a motherfucking ticket. Yeah. Yeah. Please do this. Yeah. Someone give this man a million dollars so he can fucking do this Start shit. Start a fucking Kickstarter and or GoFundMe. I will give him money. Yes. Yeah. And for the record, Devin, I believe, is currently everything free. He doesn't drink or do drugs. 
manages his bipolar disorder without the help of prescription medication, and has been a vegetarian for 20 years. And if empath is any indication of what's to come from him, my basement's flooded. Yeah. Here for it. I am uh, buckled up, buckled in, ready and to fucking go. you know what, go. buckaroos? Ready to go. Yeah. Ready to go. That was a delightful fucking story. That was <laughs> so much happier and so much funner. I was so afraid it was going to be dense and, like, convoluted and weird because, like, his his discography is... Oh, oh no. His discography is dense. a lot. It's dense. It's a lot. And, like... But here's the thing. At the end of the day, you can't really explain Devin Townsend to anyone. Like, you just need to listen to it. You like, kind no. We you, can make a we can make like a moderate playlist. I will. I will love to make a playlist. Yeah, we'll make I a playlist. We'll post it. And like, if you guys are curious, you should listen to it. I trust. I trust this chick right here because I trust the. I mean, like everything you have sent me, I really liked. But I also am weird. Um. But I. I just think, even if it's not necessarily your thing. Music wise, I think you can always appreciate it. Well, it's technically sound. His voice is fantastic. He is very talented and his music is well thought yeah. out. I feel like Devin Townsend is, um, to me, what Bjork is to everybody else. Oh, yeah. Because he's Canadian Bjork. He is Canadian Bjork to me. Anyway, or tell other people. I don't know. Anyway, what I'm trying to it. say is, what I'm trying to say is, I have immense respect for Bjork. Mm-hmm. I think she's an amazing artist. Mm-hmm. She has creativity out the fucking wazoo. She can do whatever she wants. And she can do whatever the fuck she and wants. And I trust it. And it's great. Yeah. I don't particularly subscribe to her kind of music. But you can appreciate what she does. I have immense respect for her and I appreciate everything she of does. Course. Because I know she works so hard on it. It's not coming from like some pretentious bullshit place. Right. And it's, you're right. It's the same with Devin Townsend. Like, and I feel like a lot of people would view Devin Townsend that way. Like, I don't particularly like his music. However, I fully appreciate the work he puts in and how creative he is with everything right. he does. But also, he needs to write a play about dicks and vaginas. Yeah. You know what? Really, at the end of the day, can I get that dick and vagina play, though? Seriously, I want to see that that's, so bad. That's what I fucking want. So bad. My God. But oh. um, thank you for humoring me and letting me fangirl a little bit. Thanks for gooshing all over the place I, about Devin fucking Townsend. I went 100% gooshed all over the place. Oh, yeah, you did. It's the best. And, I'm clean and maybe this up. finally I can stop talking about him because it's know. been like a straight month where I'm like, <gasps> Devin Townsend, but like, look at this. And like, we've seen him live. Now we just have to be his friend. And he was great. Also, go see him live Honestly, because like he is such a charismatic performer. And I've only seen him perform once now, and it was an acoustic show, and it was fucking amazing. However, I would love to see a show where he has a full band, can yes. do everything he wants to do. Man, all right. Uh, but uh, go check yeah. out his. Very extensive discography. Um, discography. It's if there you, if you on like, the internet. If you if you are into metal, check out Strapping Young Lad. Um, if you're not into metal, if you're check- into prog metal, definitely check out like some of his more like solo stuff. Yeah, and if you're into just like really good rock music, mm. check out some Devin Townsend Project stuff. Honestly, I think Casualties of Cool is pretty accessible. Yes. Well. Addicted and Epic Cloud from Devin Townsend Project, I think, are the two most commercial, most yeah. accessible, like, straight-up rock albums. The rest are 
pretty progressive. Some mm-hmm. are like just straight up new age. So check those out. Yeah. He no, des- honestly. He deserves it. He does though. Fucking honestly. And also if you're interested in that, read his autobiography. It is hugely entertaining. It gets a little fucking dense sometimes because he's one of those like philosophical thinkers where as I am, I'm like, just give me fucking facts. I just want facts. I just need to write my notes. Okay. I'm done fangirling. We can move on. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. <laughs> this is where we wrap up the show. But also... Well, I mean, hold on. If you've listened thus far, listen for another five minutes while we wrap up the show. Yes. This is the part of the show where we wrap everything up. Thank you for listening because we love you. And without your fucking listening to us, we would just be shouting in the abyss. We kind of still are, but at least we're shouting in your abyss. Are we shouting into your vagina? I was just going to say the same thing. My God. Vaginaception. I'm not going to kink shame. Don't kink shame. I'm not going to. The point is, thank you for listening. Uh, without you, we would be nothing. We would be nothing without our fans, but honestly, we would not. Um, the past couple weeks have made me be very grateful for the people in yes. our lives. Like, in our lives, but also, like, our listeners. You guys are amazing. Um, and you also guys have been super the- supportive with our recent episode with, um, just us opening up about our dealings with mental illness. And also, yeah, just in general, like, everyone's really nice and i like that it makes me feel really good it's um very heartwarming and lovely to be a a part of a network of podcasts that are very supportive of each other and we've met a lot of really fucking awesome people doing this thing like honestly throughout like like just like groups like potter family and lady pod squad have been super supportive, mm-hmm. great, amazing people. And like, we've met other podcasters IRL and they're great. And now being a part of Pantheon has been amazing because like, it's like we get to talk to other music podcasts and like yeah. gush over music and talk about stupid things like Game of Thrones. And it's fun. <laughs> it's been really nice. It's been really nice to support each other. So please support other podcasts, support indie podcasts because it, I get it. Like, yeah, like, the big, the big names are great and they have the money and they have the mm-hmm. access. But you know what? Like everybody, everybody's got to start from somewhere and indie podcasts start from nothing and we build ourselves up. So yeah. support everybody. Cause like we're all God smacking it, guys. <laughs> we're all doing the best we ever did. Now please stay. <laughs> but we do have big announcements in case you guys don't follow us on the social meds. We. Started a Patreon. Yay. Yay. So give us your money. Oh my God. (laughs) No, but honestly, um, if you feel like you want to, no pressure, like every week you're still going to get the same shit. Yep. But if you're a Patreon donor, you get extra shit. You get some extra stuff like bonus episodes or swag or like fun ringtones and shit. Yeah. So. If you want to give some money to us, we have four different tiers. It's $1, $3, $5, $8. Yeah. Whatever you want to give totally helps out. And we're super happy to get it. Mm-hmm. 100%. So thank you. If you want to give, that's great. Go to www.patreon.com slash rockcandypodcast. That's where we at. 
actually we launched on saturday <laughs> and have had an amazing fucking result like we couldn't we did. picture we didn't imagine we would have <laughs> we were, this many people we were like literally us. like if we make ten dollars that's great we were and we were watching it all day and i'm like ashley do you see how many people <laughs> like us all these people they oh like God, us. you like us you really like us oh uh, why but why <laughs> i mean is it the vagina jokes yeah it probably is. And the, and the dick jokes. And the dick jokes. You know what? I think we have equal opportunist jokes here. Equal opportunist yes. jokes. But with that, we should probably shout out our first batch of patrons. Patrons. Indeed. I like saying patrons because it makes you sound fancier. It makes you sound like you're from Quebec. <laughs> our Quebec. Quiet. Patrons. That doesn't even make sense. Nope. Anyway. So... Here are the people that, that we, we want to shout that out. That we want to shout out this week. Steve and Monica. Love you guys. Love you. Johnny Ganache and the Manster from Point Pine of Comics. Comics. Woo! 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 Check them out. They're fun. Number one fan, Johnny Miller. <laughs> Karaoke Big E. Also a great podcast. Check them out. Indeed. Baby Amber. Baby Amber. Chris L. Yay, Chris. Thank you. And Joe, <laughs> a.k.a. Little Joey Jojo Jr. Shabadoo. <laughs> I love you managed it on the first I did. How did yeah, I do that? You did such a good job. Thank you guys so Thank much. Thank you. We honestly, like, you guys are actually supporting <laughs> us to get, like, resources and new materials, and we're really fucking stoked. Yeah. You don't even understand how stoked we are right <laughs> now. So thank you for that. And if you want a shout out, you can donate. Even a dollar gets you a shout out. Even one dollar gets you so many places. Right? But it, you know what? No pressure. Still putting out every week. So that said, you can always just follow us on the social medias. Just look for Rock Candy Podcast. We have a sweet ass logo done by our friend Jarrell. Check him out. I mean, we got good shit coming your way every fucking week. We got more good shit coming next week. And I am just thankful that I... I'm a part of a podcast where I can fangirl about Devin Townsend all and day. And I'm going to sit here and like, ooh, tell me oh, more. Oh, but tell me more. Tell, tell me more. more. <laughs> like, does he have a scar? What? In his butthole. What? <laughs> <laughs> I did it. Oh, and with that, party on, Ashley. Oh, party on, Maggie. And party on, you crazy kids out there. My Balls out. Up your butt. Oh, no. <laughs> Hi, I'm Joe Quazala. And I'm Kristen Studdard. And Joe and I, we're both comedians based in Los Angeles. But we're also the hosts of a podcast called Who Cares About the Rock Hall? Much to my chagrin. Right. So here's the deal. The subject of our show is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, a bizarre institution that I know everything about and have been a fan of since I was a little kid. And that I've maybe never given a second thought to. And if I did, I thought it was pretty lame and also bad. But... But over the first year of our show, I have forced you to think about it quite a bit. Yep. That is the premise of our show. Joe dragging me into conversations about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And now you don't know what to think. Maybe, maybe you've even started to care a little bit. Maybe. Strong. Maybe. Still leaning. No. But I do care about our show, which is really more than anything just a conversation about music. And I do really like music. Right. It's it's really a show for people who love music. And we just use the hyper-specific lens of the Rock Hall to talk about it. And what's also fun is every week we have different guests. Sometimes they're from the world of comedy. Sometimes they're from the music world. Yeah, like the comedians we've had on the show include Jimmy Pardo, Karen Kilgariff, Greg Barrett, Rhea Butcher. And then the music people we've had on, well, we've had people from the 
actual Rock Hall nominating committee like Roy Traken, Bob Merlis, the legendary record executive and inductee himself, Seymour Stein. It's called Who Cares About the Rock Hall? You can find us wherever you find your podcasts. Go ahead. Give us a listen. Who knows? Maybe Who Cares About the Rock Hall will be you. Who cares about the Rock Hall? (laughs) It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.